Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Uh, those of you that have been around Hills for a while, you might recognize me. I've been here before. Uh, those of you that didn't like me last time I was here, this is your chance to discreetly slip out the back uh, before we get started. One of the greatest compliments uh, in the whole world uh, for a pastor is not that you tell him he preached good, but that you come back to church. Like the fact that you come back and you go, I, you know what, I didn't hate that. I don't think you're completely crazy. I wanna be back. But for a guest speaker, uh, the highest compliment is that you would invite them back, that you're like, it would be so easy just to get rid of that person, but you actually invited me back, and that's really cool. Uh, if, if, you, uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, or maybe you're relatively new, uh, as the video said, my name's Ethan. This is my wife, Sarah, over here, everybody. She traveled with me this time. Come on, somebody. Uh, and uh, we serve at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and you guys are just absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing people. Thank you for your prayers. You prayed in beautiful weather for us this weekend. It is like 100 degrees and 100% humidity back home. We got off the plane and I just thought, this is God's will. Just keep going west, baby. This is so good. And, uh, and then also... Um, Really cool, you have one service for me to preach. I didn't know that until I got here because I don't read things. And so I read through it when I got here. I was like, wait a minute, they only have one service during the summer. This is a brilliant idea. I have to preach five times back home. And so I was just like, I might just stay, y'all. Is that okay? Like, this is great. Now, obviously it's kind of impractical, you know, during the fall when the church is growing to stay with one service, but what a cool gift to be able to come together and have one place, one heart during the summer. And I'm so thankful that you would invite me uh, to be a part of it. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the tension of gifts, the tension of gifts. If you're writing notes, just write this down. And here's probably what you've noticed in your life. There are people that you love, but sometimes you don't like. Have you experienced this? There are people that, uh, that you think, how are you so different from me? You're wired so completely differently. You, you process the world so differently from me. And it's one thing to look at people maybe that haven't uh, experienced new life in Christ and you think, yeah, okay, obviously, if you haven't experienced resurrection in Christ, you're not filled with God's spirit, obviously you would be different from me. But it's another thing, isn't it? To look around at a group of people that you know they love Jesus just as much as you do, but yet they process things so different. And here's the principle behind what we're gonna talk about today. Misunderstood differences always cause divisions. Mishandled differences often cause painful divisions. Have you experienced this? And I just wanna slow down and tell you why this particular topic is so important to me. Over the last couple of years, Christians in particular have had so many issues thrown in the middle of their community, political issues, economic issues, you know the list. I could go down the whole thing and you would understand everything I'm talking about. And what we found out is the, the more important or critical the issue is, the deeper the divide it can create. In our church, a couple of years ago, what we found is that there were some economic and political issues that were causing divides inside of really good families. There's a family in our church that I love deeply. The dad and the son didn't talk to each other for almost two years after one particular election that I won't bring up, all right? 
And we started looking at this and wondering, how as people that follow Jesus, how come we aren't like the world's leading experts on how to handle this? We should be the very best at this. And so we just turned to prayer and scripture and there's something that came out of that for our church that I feel like has been so valuable for our staff and for our leaders. We have over 300 staff between our church and our school, a whole bunch of leaders. And for all of these leaders that are wired so different, our prayer was God help us be really, really good at managing these differences, because here's what we find out. From the very beginning, Jesus dies on the cross, is raised to new life, and then there's a couple of leaders, spokesmen, that get raised up in the church. Two guys in particular, Peter and Paul. They start trying to write these letters to help the church understand why these differences still exist. After I have this experience with Jesus, why are there still these things that pull us apart? And so they use four pictures in particular to help us understand this. You've probably heard these. There's four pictures given to this group of people, any group of people, your family, uh, this church, any group of people that love Jesus and are trying to do life arm in arm. And the pictures are a flock, a family, a building, and a body. Have you heard these illustrations given throughout the Bible as you read through the New Testament? You see them continually bringing these ideas up. Why? They're trying to help us understand that a Christian community is built together of parts that are very different, but very necessary for the good of each other. In particular, uh, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12. We'll read these verses together. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, they'll be up on the screen. Uh, and he says this, he says, just as your bodies, here's he, he's using this, this visual picture to help us understand a spiritual idea, have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. Somebody say different. Different gifts for doing certain things well. Would you pray with me? Lord, for the next few moments, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do what no human ever could. Would you speak to us? We each walked in today carrying good things and difficult things, things that we're celebrating and things that we're praying over. God, you're the only one that can see all of those things, and so we bring them to you, we lay them at your feet, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Would you bring your word to a place in our lives where it makes a difference and helps us move forward boldly? We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I am the middle boy of four sisters. I have four sisters, hard to believe. Uh, God somehow thought I could handle a lot of estrogen in my life, and so he put me right in the middle. What that meant is from the time I was very young, I was a mediator, a peacekeeper. I was the one mediating between my two older sisters, my two younger sisters, my sisters and my parents, and sometimes I was the one behind a locked door holding it closed, pleading for my own life from my four sisters. And there, for whatever reason, there's been a grace that God has given me for helping people negotiate, get back together when they've been pulled apart. And so here's the picture that God gave me for our team and for our church, and I just wanna bring it to you with this idea in mind, that God made you different, and that's a good thing. 
There's a lot of ways that you could unpack that. In fact, uh, if you've done any personality profiles at work, you know there's a hundred different ways that people try to understand the differences between us. Strengths finders is one of those. There's 34 different strengths finders. Enneagram, uh, if you've heard somebody call themselves uh, an INFP or an ETJ, why, why I just made that up, why is not one of them. But there's 16 different Enneagram, uh, there's 16 different um, uh, uh, Myers-Briggs profiles. Uh, there are nine different Enneagram profiles. Maybe you've done that. Some of you think it's demonic. Some of you think it's great. Wherever you fall on that, there's nine different ones with a bunch of subcategories in there. Patrick Lencioni wrote a book uh, called Working Genius. There are six different uh, packages he puts working relationships into. If you've done a DISC profile, maybe in a church setting to understand your spiritual gifts, there's four different ones there. Well, there's a lot of nuance in understanding our differences, but there's there is one framework that the Bible gives us that I think is most helpful, okay? And here it is. There's, when the Bible describes what we call our motivation gifts, all of your spiritual gifts are, if you imagine those flowing in a river, up, upstream from that, at the, at the genesis of the river of spiritual gifts, there are three main categories of motivational gifts, and here they are. We'll put them up on the screen for you. They're the gifts of truth, power, and love. Now, I want you to hear this with ears of grace. Hear that there's a lot of nuance in this. We're gonna go over these, and uh, you're gonna see kind of where, maybe where you fall in this. You're gonna see where maybe people you love fall in this, but I want you to hear it with grace. There's nuance in this, yes, and you'll probably have uh, one or two of these that are, are, are bigger for you than, than the others. But Throughout the Bible, we don't have time to unpack it all. In the Old Testament, these would be expressed in the, uh, the gifts of prophet, priest, and king. The prophet is the truth person. The king is the power person, getting stuff done. And the priest is the love person, right? And uh, in the New Testament, you'll find this in places like when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, God gave us a spirit in us to operate in a carnal, natural world, but the spirit he's given us causes up to us to tear fear to to shreds, and we have a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The, word, the Greek word for sound mind there is right thinking or controlled thinking, true thinking, truth, power, and love. So if you can put that list back up on the screen for me just for a second. What I want you to see here is that this is not an exhaustive list, and this is not a list that has uh, all of the things listed in. I don't know if it's possible to go backwards in slides. Can you do that? Is, is it possible to rewind? I don't even know if it is. If, if not, here's what, I, here's what I want you to see. The, li the list, uh, truth, power, and love, it's not in an order of importance, okay? I just put truth at the beginning because the truth people need to go first, all right? They just need to know they're important and they're at the top of the list and the love people can be on the bottom, everybody. They'll forgive you later, all right? So here, let, me, let me explain how this works. Truth-motivated people, okay? People that have the motivational gift of truth are people that want somebody to speak facts Boldly, they have no time for the mushy middle. They hate gray area. They hate ambiguity. They value it when somebody steps up to the head of the class and they call right, right, wrong, wrong, and they declare what is, especially in Christian circles, what is sin, where are we getting it wrong, and how do we follow God in righteousness? Because there is a hell, it is hot, and you're heading there. You want somebody that goes, okay, I'm gonna step up to the head of the class and I'm gonna speak truth, okay? Truth people don't care as much about your feelings as they do about your health. 
Truth people make awesome doctors and dentists because they're not scared to tell you you have a cavity and I don't care if that hurts your feelings. You don't brush very well. You need to get it right. What is that? That's truth. The truth will set you free. Yes, John 8. If truth people had a verse for their life, that would be it. Oh, you're gonna know the truth and I'm gonna tell you. It doesn't say that, but okay. Truth-motivated people are often learners. Truth-motivated people want to sink deep into a subject so that they fully understand it. When it comes to church, truth people are the kind of people that wanna sit in church and hear big ideas discussed. They want to understand theological ideas like soteriology and, and what, is, what is the doctrine of immutability. Like, give me big ideas, not because they need to be smarter than everybody else, although they don't mind. What they really want is to know, here's what truth people know. I'm going to stand on something, when I do, I want to know that I'm standing on what's right. I want to sink deep into it and I wanna fully understand it. Truth people are the kind of people that sit in a classroom and they have a three ring binder and it's color coded and they have all the, if a truth person and a, a power person and a love person all go to college, the truth person is the one sitting on the front row with all the notes open and all of their colored pencils lined out and their laptop open and they're taking in information and they don't want the lecture to stop. Keep talking professor, I'll stay here all day. Why? I wanna learn, I wanna learn, I wanna learn. I want to soak it in. Truth people, when it comes to the actual gathering here in church, truth people aren't happy with church unless people got their toes stepped on. They wanna know that when we leave, somebody got their feelings hurt. If, if the pastor starts, starts getting into people's pantries and really preaching the word and getting into people's lives, they, love, they, they leave church going, ah, we really had church today because we were challenged and we talked about real things and some people got their feathers ruffled. That was awesome, I loved church today. That's a truth person. A truth person, if they had a life motto in Oklahoma, we would say it this way. If the truth rubs the cat the wrong way, Turn the cat around. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm not, I don't worry. I'm not here to worry about your feelings, all right? That's a hand grenade joke. You throw it out there and it blows up in a minute. Okay. Truth people don't necessarily have an absence of love. It's just that they would rather get it right than for you to be happy because they know getting it right will ultimately lead to your happiness. Do you follow? Truth people have heroes of faith. For a truth person, a hero would be somebody like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a man that stood in the face of Hitler in Nazi Germany and was bold enough to declare this genocide is sin, this is wrong, and you can kill me if you want to, but I will not shut up. I will tell you that this is wrong because I'm serving an almighty God and I know what the truth person is and it, I know what the truth is and that's who he was and it cost him his life. And a truth person says, yes, better to die for the truth than live for a lie. This is a truth person. See, a truth person is the one that has the strength to stand out. The truth person is the one that uh, often is involved politically, not because they necessarily care about politics, but they care about who's in charge and that we get it right. They wanna know that the that people are doing the right things and setting the right policies. Truth people often follow true crime podcasts, right? They're, they're very good. I, I can say this because I married one. I love, listen, hear this with ears of grace. I love truth people so much I married one of y'all, all right? Listen, I, truth people, they, they, wanna, they wanna get to the bottom of it. They wanna investigate. They're not, there's a door open in their life until they find out who done it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I gotta find out, I gotta dig, I gotta dig. Truth people often follow uh, Instagram accounts that have the, world, the word 
real in the title. You know what I'm talking about? Real freedom. And it's not so much always that truth people are um, political. You might be sitting here and thinking, I think maybe I'm kind of a truth person, um, but I, I don't really care so much about politics. It might show up in a different way. You might say, um, I, I, I value the truth in uh, what we eat. So you might follow an Instagram account that's like real vegan eating, or you might be like, you know, I, I value the truth with my kids. So you follow an Instagram account that's real homeschool moms unite. I don't know what it is, but there's a desire for things to be real and right and, and fully fleshed out. Now here's uh, the reality uh, is that in conflict, here's what often happens with truth people. Truth people, uh, when you drop a hot button issue inside of a family or a church, truth people will often worry that they're being abrasive. They'll wonder in the back of their mind, am I being, ah, am I being too hard? Like I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. And what happens is people that aren't motivated by truth will often push back against the truth person trying to speak out and the truth person will start to withdraw because they'll feel like, ah, I don't, I don't wanna be causing problems so maybe I should just leave and go be around other truth people because I don't wanna rock the boat all the time and truth people will worry that they're bothering people. And can I just tell you this? Maybe in this current cultural moment more than any other, we need truth people in our lives. We need truth people in our families and in our church. And so, yeah, absolutely. So I think that shows you about how many truth people there are in the church. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Here's what, here's, what, here's what I do believe that I'm here to say, and I wanna just look you in the eye and say this. If you're a truth-motivated person and there's sort of this fire in your belly for truth, I just wanna tell you this, we need you. This church needs you, this community needs you, your family needs you, don't withdraw, don't pull back. Learn that your truth motivation is a gift from God to bless the people around you, to keep us on the right path, pursuing the right things and not wasting the one and only life that God's given us, amen? Now here's the thing, truth people, now this, for you that are truth people, this might come as a shock to you, you're not the only gift in the church. <laughs> there are others, okay? And the, the second group of people that God puts in the church are people motivated by power. Now, power people aren't necessarily people that are trying to be in charge, all right? Although they don't mind being in charge, often power people will find themselves in positions of leadership. Power people are those that are motivated by action, okay? They have an action bias. They're people that go, I need to see things getting done, okay? If a truth person is, if we, go, if we take a truth person a power person and a love person, and we take them to university, yes, the truth person is in the lecture hall with all their notes. The power person cannot handle sitting still in the classroom any longer. They're counting the minutes until the bell rings. Get me out of here, I need to go to recess. All right, I need to run, I need to jump off something, I need to break something, I need to burn something. Power people need to be active. If, if truth people are lecture hall people, power people are lab people. They want their hands on experimenting with something. They want to see things getting done. When it comes to a Christian community, power people are the ones that think this. Jesus is real. 
And if Jesus is real, he ought to be making a real difference in our real life. So we should see real things happening. We should see actual ground gained. We should see people coming to faith. We should see people getting baptized. We should see new ministries starting. We should see new ground being gained. We should see marriages restored and addictions broken. We should see actual things happening. Power people value action and physical real world progress toward a goal. If you have power, our kids, they probably drive you crazy because they can't sit still. They wanna go on to the next thing. If you are a power person, you probably drive other people crazy sometimes because you are like trying to keep ping pong balls underwater. It's like, where are they? What are they working on? Power people are usually very entrepreneurial people. They're always starting something, rarely finishing anything. If you have a power person in your life, they probably have some unfinished cabinets in the kitchen that need to be finished, a project in the garage, a car that's half built, and a computer program they're figuring out on YouTube how to program. Like they've got all these projects going and truth people are going, will you just finish something, baby, right? Truth people will often say things to a power person like, now, now, calm down, don't get carried away. And a power person goes, I don't understand what you're you're saying right now. Those words don't compute with me at all. I don't know what you're saying. Power people often start businesses, they're, they're the ones in the, in, the, in the sort of the corporate world that are, they're ready to take a, a chance, they're ready to, 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 to start the thing, buy the thing, spend the money, jump off, like they're the, they're the people that will, they'll take the leap off the cliff with just enough material to build a parachute on the way down, you know what I'm talking about? Like, let's go. Now, if a truth person and a power person play a board game together, okay, well, truth person, the very first thing a truth person is gonna do is they're gonna get out the instructions to the game. And they're gonna read the whole thing. You can't make that move. Says so right here. The power person is going, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time with that? And the power person is the one that goes all in on the very first move of the game. And the truth person is going, what is the dumbest possible strategy you could have? And the power person is going, I don't care. I don't want to play this game for an hour, so I'm either going to beat you on the first move or I'm going to lose right here, but here we go. (laughs) Power people have heroes as well. To a power person, a hero of faith would be somebody like Smith Wigglesworth, somebody that their whole life was marked by the miracle-working power of God, and they just go, I read these stories and I... I hear the miracles of people being healed and God moving and movements starting in other countries and churches being built and I just, I just desire to be a part of that. I wanna see God move in real ways. A power person is the one, when it comes to church, they want an encounter with God. They leave a little uneasy if something real didn't happen. Yeah, 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 we talked about big ideas but did we do anything? I wanna hear that we're doing the backpack drive. I wanna hear that we're blessing people. I wanna hear that we're raising money. I wanna hear that we're actually doing something in the real world. If a truth person and a power person are walking out of church and uh, say this gentleman right here, Max, Max uh, happens to say to a friend, uh, he says, you know what, I've just, I just really want a three-story house. Like I've just been thinking about that and kind of daydreaming about it. A power person will, will turn on their heels and go, let's pray about that right now. Let's, let's, let's go to God and let's pray. But a power person isn't just satisfied with a, a, a surface level prayer. They wanna believe that by, the, by the time Max gets home, God will have supernaturally put a third story on his house. Let's, let's just believe right now. Let's just go to God in faith right now. Let's pray over that. A truth person will hear the power person and they'll interject and they'll say, whoa, whoa, um, actually, you can't pray that prayer. 
That's, that's, that's biblically incorrect, that prayer. Listen, there's a doctrine that says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you read through the pages of the Bible, there is not a place where God put a third story on a house. You can't pray about that. And the power person goes, I don't understand anything you're saying. Don't limit my God, let's pray. The power motivation and the truth motivation often collide in those moments where critical things are at stake. The power person is the one that wants to know that action is being taken. And if you're a power person, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna clap for you as a church because you know you're doing pretty well already, all right? You, but here's what I do want you to know, is that in the moments when it feels like we're talking too much and not doing enough, have grace for the truth people, but don't withdraw the gift of action when it feels like it's only being debated and decisions aren't being made. Lean in with your gift of action and be the one that starts to put real world practical things in place. It's the same with your family, same with your kids. You might be married to somebody that just is frustrated saying, can we stop talking and start doing? Understand that that's a motivation wired in their heart from God to do something that's real and help them lean into that instead of pushing back from that. Can you think of places maybe in this church or in your family maybe in this community where those two gifts have collided, where it's like, why aren't we saying something? Why aren't we doing something? When are we gonna act? When are we gonna make a decision? And often those two gifts collide. Now here's what God does in his grace, is he puts a third gift in the middle of those and it's the love-motivated gift. Love-motivated people want to hear words like kindness, gentleness, goodness, generosity, hospitality, if truth people know facts and power people know action, love people know names. Love people are the ones that are motivated not by projects getting done or truth being revealed, they're motivated by people being helped. They wanna know that people are really truly having their arms uh, having arms wrapped around them. They're being supported. They're being known. Truth, truth people often get high centered on facts and miss the people right in front of them. Power people often get busy moving 100 miles an hour and run right past people. And love people are the ones that slow us down to go, well, the whole point of this whole story from the beginning is that we would be a group of people loving each other and knowing each other and sharing time together and meals together. If a truth person and a power person and a love person play a board game, the truth person has their nose in the instruction manual, the power person's going all in, and the love person is the one saying, maybe, maybe we could all win. How about, how about that? What if we just call this first round a practice round? How about that? Right, if you have a love, if you ever have that conversation in your family, you could, the, the light should be going on, going, oh, love, love person, love motivated person. Now, here's the reality. It doesn't necessarily mean, as you think through this for yourself and your family and the people you love, it doesn't mean that truth people don't love. Everybody wants to love and be loved. It just means that in moments of decision, you will lean on one more than the other. Let me give you an example. My wife is primarily truth and love. She loves, our, we have two, two boys, she loves them dearly. But when homework isn't getting done, I can tell you she is far less concerned about their feelings than she is about the truth. 
baby, go get your homework done right now. She doesn't, she's not thinking, uh, am I loving you well? Am I loving you toward good grades? No, she's thinking, you're gonna flunk. Go do your homework, truth. In moments of decision, one trumps the other. You follow me? Okay. Love people have heroes of faith too. To a love person, their hero would be somebody like Mother Teresa, somebody that gave their life with no care for their wealth, no care for her power or her status. She left everything to go work with lepers in Calcutta. Who does that? And she changed a massive part of the world just by being the hands and feet of Jesus, just by loving people that were outcast and wiping the wounds of the forgotten. And love people go, oh yeah, we should be doing that. That's how we should be living our lives. See, love people are the ones that bring people into focus in the middle of everything else that's going on, especially things that feel hot and contentious. So l- l- let me give you this example. If, uh, if the three of us right here, Matt is, is here and, and, and Sarah, my wife, is here. Uh, if the three of us um, are, are, are gonna get together and do a project, the truth person is the one that's gonna hear about the problem and identify it. They're gonna understand something is out of place. So let's. So for this example, Sarah will be the truth person because I can promise you she is. Uh, and uh, uh, I will be the power person because, let's face it, I'm just kidding. I'm saving that because I wanna give Matt the love person. All right, Matt's, Matt's so kind. He's been so gracious to us. So Matt will be the love person. I'll be power and my wife will be truth, okay? Uh, the truth person is gonna hear about the problem. Sarah hears uh, that over in, let's pick a community, uh, Loomis, Okay, uh, that there's, there's a water shortage. The government has shut off the water. Nobody can get water. The truth person goes, that's not right. That water's been shut off for far too long. I know people have paid their taxes. Is somebody saying something, right? The truth person wants the truth declared. Should we get on Facebook? Do we need to post something? Do I need to go meet with a city councilor? Has somebody talked to the mayor? Have we contacted the news? This is wrong. We've gotta say something. Well, the power person hears about it and goes, oh, I don't care about what we say. Let's do something. Okay, so now the power person has a problem identified. Now they've got raw meat they can sink their teeth into. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna rally everybody in the community. We're gonna raise money and we're gonna ship in water. We're gonna find water from, we're gonna go to everywhere that they have bottled water. We're gonna ship in pallets and pallets of bottled water. The truth person and the power person get together. We go over to this neighborhood in Loomis that doesn't have any water. We're dropping off pallets of water. We're taking wrenches and we're knocking off the caps off the fire, uh, you know, the, 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 the water hydrants and we're, there's water flowing everywhere. The power person and the love person come back together. We're high-fiving. We've got t-shirts made that say water for life with a Y. We're throwing a party. We're high-fiving. We're talking about all the millions of dollars we raised and the gallons of water. They're never gonna be thirsty over there again. Look at what we did. Well, Matt shows up. The love person shows up and goes, um, can I just ask, who did you do that for? Who did we do that for? We did it for the neighborhood. Didn't you hear there was no water and we brought water? And he says, yeah, but the love person says, yeah, but the neighborhood's not a person. The neighborhood's a place. Did you meet anybody? Did you, did you hear any stories? Did you, did you find out who you were actually helping? And the power person goes, no, uh, we didn't meet anybody. See, here's what the love person knows. The love person knows that water is great, 
But at 219 Oak Street, Sally and Tim Johnson just had their first baby. And yes, they need water, but do you know what they really need? They need diapers for their baby and they need formula. See, a love person knows people. And if you have no love gift in with the truth gift and the power gift, you will do great things that run right past the people you're trying to help. See, the love gift, the motivation of your heart for people and names and stories is the very thing that allows the other two gifts to fit in the places where it's needed the most and make the biggest difference. And so here's what I, here's what I wanna say if you're a love person. I know we clapped for the truth people and made a joke about the power people, but I just want you to look up here if you're a love person. Love motivated people often in conflict leave the quietest and get hurt the deepest. Because love people often feel like, no, I, I don't wanna cause any problems and I know I'm different than you and I have a different opinion and I, I feel like maybe we should be doing things differently but I don't wanna rock the boat and I just want all of the conflict and the drama to stop so I'll remove myself and I'll get out of here and to a power person or a truth person in conflict, it will often look like a love-motivated person is pouting. That's not what's happening. They're withdrawing because they don't want the conflict to keep going and they're trying to get everything to calm down. And one of the best things any leader can do, parents to kids, spouses to each other, is to look the love-motivated person in the eye and say, we need you. Don't disconnect, don't leave, don't step away. You are valuable here and you're needed here. And here's, here's what often happens, okay? So let me give you this and we'll close with this. Tension between these gifts can feel like something that's tearing us apart, but when it's harnessed, when it's understood, it's actually the very thing that's necessary to hold us together. This stool is a, a great illustration of this. It's simple, but I think you'll get it quickly. Each of these three legs by itself can't support what all three together can. You follow? But the reason that it works is not because the three legs are aligned in exactly the same spot. The reason that the support is possible, the stability, the, the sturdiness of this is possible is because the three are in tension with each other. If you lose the tension of any one of these, what happens is the part that is removed becomes unstable and the part that's left loses a big chunk of its ability to stand. And here's what'll often happen in conflict. One motivation, the truth motivation, let's say, we'll, we'll say, I need to remove myself. I just need to go be around other truth-motivated people. I need to get in a church, in a community, in a family where we're just all about the truth and we're declaring the truth and I gotta I got get out of here so I can get over here where I'm appreciated, where I'm celebrated, where I'm seen because they're not feeling it here and what happens to the truth gift when it gets separated? It can't stand. And what happens to the rest of us when the truth gift leaves? We can't stand either. All of the tension that felt wrong was actually the very thing that God hardwired into the community to hold us together. And so the goal when we find ourselves in tension is not to remove ourselves to get further away, but to acknowledge one very important truth. I need people that are wired differently than I am so that I can be complete, so that I can be strong, so that I can be stable. Here's a shocking thing that has been a revelation for many people in our church and it might be a revelation for you. God in his 
wisdom will often intentionally put you around people that are wired different because you need them and they need you. But the misunderstanding can be, why? I'm, I'm a power person, I just wanna get stuff done. Why am I around all these mushy, feely, lovey people? I just, I don't know if I can handle another hug. I don't, I can't like, I can't take another batch of cookies or another thank you note. Why just need to get something done? God connects you on purpose for the purpose of strengthening each other. Both Paul and Peter say it's like your body. You can't look at a part of your body and go, I don't need you. Oh, you have to look at it and go, yes, you're so different. And, and hear this with ears of grace. There are always times that Christians have to divide. Boundaries honor God, they are good things, and when boundaries get violated, there are times that you have, to, you have to separate. You have to separate from people in your family or friends that you've had or maybe even a church. Some of you are sitting in this church because this is a new season for you and you're going, okay, what can God do? New things are not wrong and new seasons are good, but it shouldn't be that we look back at our life and we have a, just a long string of constantly removing ourselves, leaving things that are difficult. God, one of the most God-honoring things that we can often do is to say, okay, instead of pulling away, I'm gonna plug in. I'm actually gonna get closer instead of getting further away. See, what the enemy wants to do is to isolate us. But the person of faith, the one that can see how God made us through, through spiritual eyes can go, maybe, 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 if I get closer, we'll get stronger. What does that look like practically? One of the healthiest things you can do in conflict is to say, What's causing me upstream? What's motivating my heart? And what do I think is motivating their heart? And have a real conversation about it. Go to coffee, pull them aside, especially if it's somebody you love, especially if it's your kids or somebody in a church community. Go talk to them. Say, what? I feel like, can I be honest? My instinct is to leave. My instinct is to like separate, not talk to you. When, when your phone number comes up on my phone, I don't wanna answer. I, I, I don't wanna text you back. I, I, I've blocked you on social media. Like have the real conversation, tell them. There's, a, there's something here. And instead of getting further away, get closer. Because here's what I found. The groups of Christians that can choose to embrace the tension get stronger and healthier, God blesses it and it grows. People are attracted to it. People that are far from God wanna be around it. They wanna know what's different because they are living in a world that is constantly divided and ripping itself to shreds, like wild animals in the forest. And when God's people are like, yeah, 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 yep, we're different. And I still love you even though you're different. And sometimes I think you're crazy, but I love you and I wanna be close to you and I think a church that gets this right, it's, see, here's what's at stake. It's not just about me being complete, although you will be. It's not just about your best life, although that happens. You're gonna be your best when you're around other people. It's not even just that the community is whole, although that happens. See, these three gifts are meant to hold something. This isn't just meant to be a decoration. It's meant for something to go on top of it. The reason it has to be stable is so it can hold what's supposed to go on top of it. What are you and I supposed to hold, display? What's supposed to be elevated and sitting on top of us, the person in the work of Jesus? And isn't this who Jesus was when he showed up? Doesn't John say he was full of 
grace, love, and truth? And didn't everywhere he go, real things happen, real power? Jesus was all truth, all grace, and all power. When we get this right, we show the full Jesus to a watching world. Jesus is not just truth. If we are just truth, we become an angry preacher on a street corner telling people they're going to hell. But when we can have truth and love, then we can understand how to tell people, this is sin, it's gonna kill you, it's wrong, it's gonna separate you from God from eternity, but also at the same time tell people there is a Jesus who is all truth, but he died for you. He took stripes on his back. He has nail-scarred hands and big eternal arms that he would love to wrap around you if you'll let him. When we get this right, the power of God shows up in people's lives in real ways that's undeniable, and people come to faith in Christ. When we get this right, we show off the real Jesus. Not just part of him, all of him. And so, and so the challenge is this. Where there's differences, lean in, get closer, don't run away. Can I offer this as one last thing because I want to? Um, this happens with these motivation gifts. It often happens generationally. The older we get, the more we misunderstand a younger generation. Younger generations feel like older generations are disconnected and the world's passed them by. And one of the very best things is that we're a, a community of faith that's diverse. We look like heaven. Oh man, there's people that speak different languages, people that grew up in different countries, people that were born outside the United States, people that are 80 and people that are eight doing life together, older people coaching younger people, younger people pushing older people to get a TikTok account. It's awesome <laughs> when we get it right. And the heart of Jesus in this generation, can I just push on you if you're a grandparent? Especially for you. In the season that God has you in, we get an opportunity to model what it looks like to bring people together. Bring them in. Oh, draw people closer together. Choose to get closer to people that are a little different from you. If we love Jesus and we get this right, anything is possible. Let me pray for you. Lord, this morning we're so thankful, so thankful for the opportunity that we've had to be reminded in a world that's tearing itself apart that you want us to be whole, to be drawn together. This morning, Lord, I just ask that in a moment of quiet reflection, you would talk to us. And just for a moment, just prayerfully, maybe heads bowed, eyes closed, just as you're considering what God's saying to you this morning. If there's a relationship, a place where there's been something torn apart, it's, you feel a little isolated, you feel hurt. Or maybe there's people that it's been, there's been this ripping. And just what I sense in my heart, if I can just be obedient, is it, it feels like there's part of you that's been ripped away. Somebody, <clears throat> somebody you love, they're not in your life the same way and it's breaking your heart. Would you in this moment, would you just let Jesus meet you right there and begin to heal that? Here's what I think you should do. If that's you just in a room full of faith, just under your breath, you don't have to say it out loud. This isn't about embarrassing anybody. I don't wanna call attention to you, but just 
Would you just say that name under your breath, that relationship? We're just gonna ask Jesus to heal that. It may be that the relationship's restored. It may just be that your heart is healed. But we're just gonna pray over that. Lord, there's so many of us this morning that may be hurting in an area where our relationships have been separated. And I just ask, Jesus, would you be the great physician? Would you heal those relationships? Would you, would you bring closure? Maybe where we don't, it's not the best thing to have a relationship with them, but we need closure, we need healing, would you bring it? And oh Lord, if it's possible to restore relationships, would you do it? Through your miracle working power, would you give wisdom and steps to your people so they can be healed? And I know this morning before we leave, we're gonna take communion together and Matt's gonna come. And as he does, I would just ask you to just to stay in an attitude of worship and just continue to allow God to minister to you. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.